Welcome to the Maze Marketing Podcast. This isn't another podcast about marketing tricks or hacks, but about building effective marketing systems, beating marketing overwhelm, and communicating your expertise. With your hosts, Rob Drummond and Jonathan Wilson. A quick announcement before we start. So this episode is all about remarketing using data from Google Analytics. Towards the end of this year, in December 2019, we'll be running an online course going in-depth into the process of remarketing with Google Analytics. So to be notified of that course and receive early bird deals, go to www.mazemarketingpodcast.com forward slash analytics and enter your details and we'll add you to the course notification list. Let's jump into the episode. Okay, so if you're running Google ads and if you're doing remarketing, um, the, the easiest way to get started with remarketing is to build your audiences natively in the Google ads interface. So you go into the tool section and the audiences section and there's various options for building audiences of people who have been on your website recently or have bought something from you recently or have watched one of your YouTube videos recently. So there's quite a lot of options natively in Google Ads for building retargeting lists. However, you can also build remarketing audiences using Google Analytics. Uh, and Jonathan is a bit of an expert in this, so I wanted to pick his brains as to why you might want to build your retargeting audiences in Google Analytics rather than in Google Ads. Yeah, so let's go over a couple of basics first. So we've talked before and also shown in some of our training how you can set up a basic remarketing audience in directly in AdWords itself, uh, Google Ads, of course. So. In, in the basic audience manager that is available right through the Google Ads interface, um, you can definitely set up all the essentials. So people who've been on your website, uh, people who've been on particular pages on your website, people who have triggered certain events. Uh, events are kind of an advanced topic, but you may have set up conversion actions um, and, and possibly had a programmer code some custom events into those. Um, and then you can set durations, which is really important. So we've, in, in the context of the maze and following the RFM, recency, frequency, and money principles, um, you may definitely want to focus on how long you show your ads to visitors and how soon. So there's, there's as an example, there's an underlying principle that somebody who is on your site uh, yesterday is far more likely to respond to a retargeting ad than if they were here last week uh, and even more if they were here 30 days or 90 days or a year ago. So the, the timed audiences are arguably uh, one, probably the most important aspect and then combined with where on your site they were, what pages they visited in other words. Those are probably the two most significant points that matter um, and for most people that's going to be good enough. However, uh, if you link up your Google Analytics to your Google Ads and set up audiences in Google Analytics, you have some really nifty controls available in Google Analytics that are just simply not available in the Google Ads uh, interface. So um, what does that mean? Well, it means that you can drill down to 
more specific uh, visitors, people who did certain things on your site, um, and, and you can apply conditions and behaviors. And so uh, just, just to make that first part clear, all of the basics certainly can be done in your Google Ads audience manager. And for most people, that is far more than good enough to get started. But later on, you might want to do some of these other cool things. So let, let me go over. So this is kind of essentially because Google Analytics has more data about the people on your website than Google Ads does. They sure do. And then uh, it, it particularly matters when you realize that Google Analytics is paying close attention to everybody on your site, even if they did not come from a Google ad. Now, that, that doesn't mean that uh, Google ad audiences are completely blind to the other site visitors. It's not what I mean, but within the scope of Google Analytics, you're able to pick particular controls that uh, will focus in on the other users, and, and it's just not possible to do that in Google ads. So, so let me start with one example. So one of the, the neat things, and this is all done uh, if, if you want to like sit down and try it right now, so to speak, you can go to your Google Analytics, go to the admin, go to the middle column, which is called the property settings, and down at the bottom, um, there's a thing called audience definitions, and you can, you can click add new audience and start clicking around in there, and you'll find all the things that I'm about to talk about. But um, one of the neatest ones is that uh, you can make use of the UTM tags. So if anywhere you go inside Google Analytics, um, in general, you're able to sort your views, no matter what you're looking at, um, by at least by their source and medium. So that is like, uh, if you're looking at your analytics in the most general sense, and you're looking at your traffic and wondering uh, who these people are, where they came from, and what they're doing on your site, you'll be able to see that people came from uh, maybe they came from a Google search, maybe they came from a Google ad, maybe they came from Facebook, maybe they came uh, direct traffic. So direct is people who literally just typed your website address into the uh, URL bar of their browser and went straight to it. Um, maybe they came from uh, some other website that referred them on over. Maybe they came from your email list. They came uh, from an email list and you forgot to apply the UTM tracking. Well, the good news is that even if you do that, it will, in most cases, it will at least show that the source was email. Now, uh, referring to, to what you just said there, applying your UTM tracking to your email, you're able to take that a step further with UTM tags, if, if you're actually setting them up uh, intentionally, you're able to specify um, particular campaigns, particular content, uh, even links within an email and uh, you're able to then go over to Google Analytics and see what people did. So like not just because they came from email in general, but even because they came from a particular email sequence or a particular message in that sequence or a particular link in a message. And that, that can be uh, real important in lots of cases, especially if you're trying to sell a specific thing with a particular email campaign. Um, uh, or if you're doing split testing. So I don't, I don't want to turn this into a full-on discussion about UTM, but the point is if you've got those things set up, now you can go build an audience that is specifically uh, only, and, and, and I'm, I want to make it clear that I'm about to give examples, but you can do any of the above or any combination or any assortments you want. 
So let's say you've you've put a lot of in. Here's a good scenario. Let's say you've hired a copywriter, and you've uh, invested a lot into a very particular seasonal email promotion. Um, certain time of year, you've talked about certain topics, you've come from a certain angle, and you're trying to sell a certain product. Maybe you even have an actual uh, promotion going on, meaning a giveaway, a discount, a uh, percentage off, or something like that. And now you want to show retargeting, retargeting ads just to the people who came from that email sequence. And the, the reason is, is that everybody else would have no idea what you're talking about. There's no context. But the people who saw and clicked on your email have a very particular context, and you want to reinforce that with the retargeting ads. Well, so then you go to your audience manager in AdWords, uh, audience definitions is what it's called, and you, you build a new audience that is based on people who came from email, who came from that particular campaign. And now you know exactly who you're showing your retargeting ads to um, because you defined it as only the people who have clicked on those emails in order to visit your site. So I can sort of give an example as well. So um, if, if anyone listening to this is subscribed to our Mary's Mastery emails and you click on a link in the email, that the, at the end of the link, there will be a question mark and then some stuff that says UTM source equals connectably UTM medium equals email and UTM campaign equals daily emails or something like that. So that tells Google Analytics where you've come from. Incidentally, I think UTM stands for Urchin Tracking Media, doesn't it? because Google bought what is now Google Analytics from a company called Urchin exactly. back yeah. in the day. So yeah, that, anyway, that's, that's what that means. Um, but what that does is that tells Google Analytics that I've come from Connectably, which is my email system, the medium was email, and that the campaign was just daily emails. If I was running a specific campaign to promote remarketing Basecamp, also mean that the campaign would be remarketing Basecamp. Um, so then if I want to build an audience of people who have clicked on emails in that promotional sequence, then I can do that through Google Analytics. Whereas if you just did it natively through Google Ads, you'd be relying on sending those people to a specific page so that you'd build an audience of people who've only viewed the landing page for that particular series of emails. Exactly. And then so we've been, for the last few minutes, we've been using emails as the particular example, but you can do exactly the same thing on any other platform, so um, you could you could run campaigns on on Facebook, uh, whether they be organic social posts or paid ads, either way. And again, you can go over to your Google Analytics and build an audience that is uh, only the people who are included in those campaigns you've been running on Facebook. Um, you could do the same thing if you were uh, doing a, a like a banner ad buy and running native ads on a, on some other platform. Um, for that matter, you could also do the same thing if you were running any kind of advertising on other channels, so offline, uh, radio, TV, billboards, newspaper, you could send people to a particular landing page. Um, it's a pretty common tracking practice to actually buy a, an extra URL, we call it a vanity domain, buy an extra domain that is being used only on your billboard, only in your TV ad. It, the domain itself may cause people just to go visit a certain page on your site, but nonetheless, you can see exactly 
who came from that uh, newspaper ad or billboard or whatever because they visited and passed through uh, a, a, essentially a spare domain first. Mm -hmm. And as, as we know, I have about a thousand spare domains. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's a common um, affliction for internet marketers to have many, many spare domains hanging yeah. around. Yeah. So that's, that's just, that's, that's an example of the uh, advanced conditional behavior targeting that you can do. And uh, it's, it's a really important one. Um, Let's go through some others. So another. So thing can I just can I just drill down on that a little bit more? So actually, if someone has clicked on a on an ad in a particular Facebook ads campaign, you can start to do sequencing them because you can show them a follow up ad that's context dependent because you know that they've clicked on ad one. Exactly. And because so remember that in Google Ads you're controlling your search ads your display network, banner ads and image ads, and your YouTube video ads. So just imagine, um, let's say you run some Facebook ads and you, again, you're promoting something specific. And then all the people who click on that, then later on when they go to YouTube, they see a very specific video that is speaking only to the people who first saw and clicked on that Facebook ad. Hmm. Yeah, this is a, that's a really great insight into how the maze remarketing system works as a whole. You've got um, an entry point somewhere. People saw something, clicked on something, and then once they've touched that thing, now you're able to begin speaking to them uh, multiple times in multiple locations in different ways, and you're continuing the same conversation that you started. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be a Facebook ad. It could be if, if, if we put a link in one of our podcast episodes that we might then want to retarget to people who follow that particular link, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So in, in, in those cases, um, Facebook ad or a link in the podcast episode is just an example. It's, uh, it's anything that you can identify that is going to set, referring back to the UTMs, that is going to set the uh, campaign source and medium. I can see that my to-do list is going to get a lot longer after this episode. Like, we should never... <laughs> We should never have started talking about this. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's, you, you can have fun setting this stuff up for a long time to come. <laughs> so, so that was just that was one example of the extra behavioral and conditions that you can apply to an audience in, in Google Analytics specifically. Another one is um, various things related to time. So a really common example is almost everybody who uses Google Analytics is familiar with what's called a bounce rate. Now a bounce rate is when somebody uh, finds your site one way or another, they clicked a link or they were searching around, whatever. They got to your site and whatever they saw, they immediately lost interest. Like, nope, that's not what I was looking for. And so they click their back button and go back to their search or they close the tab. Um, anybody who visits your site and leaves again very quickly like that is, is, is called a bounce. They, they bounced off your site, right? That's like the analogy of a ball. They, they hit the ball, went, went right back where they came from. So Even my least sophisticated AdWords clients have all known what bounce rate is. So. I agree. Yep. Uh, it's, been, it's been a high priority a KPI of sorts for a couple of decades now. Yep. So those people are clearly disinterested, like by definition, it's somebody who just 
uh, didn't like what they saw, didn't resonate with it, or lost interest for one reason or another. And therefore, if you're running any kind of classic all visitors audience, um, and I don't even mean site-wide, but I mean all the people who touched any particular part of your site that you're building an audience around, by default, you're including the people who bounce. And so you're actually wasting your, your ads, so to speak, on people who are clearly not interested. Um, one immediate effect that that's going to have is if you're showing your ads to people who are not interested, you're going to lower your CTR. Uh, CTR is extremely important to Google. So that's, that's click-through rate. It's the amount of, like, out of all the people who saw the ad, how many percentage of them actually clicked on it. CTR is really important to all the ad networks because that's how they make money is with a high CTR ad. If they show an, if they bother to show an ad and nobody clicks on it, then they're literally wasting their ad inventory space and they're going to do what they can to slow that down, throttle that down, and promote a high CTR ad in its place. So anybody who's been doing paid ads for long knows that a high CTR ad is a, is a good thing. You get better quality scores, lower cost per click, uh, so on and so forth. And so it's something that most people spend a lot of time pursuing better CTR. Well, a great way to raise your CTR is to literally not show your ad to the disinterested people in the first place. So you can go to your Google Analytics and you can set up a filter where it says, you know, all the people on my site or all the people who visit this, a certain page and stayed on my site for at least a minute. And you, you can pick whatever you want to. I would say on average to exclude the worst of the bouncers, you should probably do a minimum of 30 seconds. So the, to make that a little more clear, you're creating an audience and the only people who will be in the audience is those who stayed on your site or page for longer than the specified minimum duration, so 30 seconds, at least 30 seconds, or at least a minute. Um, in a similar fact, you, you could do really long lengths of time, so if you have uh, a very a long-form sales letter or uh, you know an hour-long webinar or VSL, you could do maybe people who stayed for at least five minutes. VSL is a video sales letter. That, that's right, yeah, video presentation, hmm. sales presentation. Um, yep, so, and then there's there's other related things. So another one, uh, rather than doing it based on time, would be based on what we call page depth. So somebody who looked at at least three pages on your site, or at least five, that shows that they, certainly they did not bounce, and they had enough interest that they clicked around and were looking for more things on your site. Maybe they were looking for more information uh, and then maybe the reason they didn't convert is they didn't find the information they were looking for. Well, with a retargeting ad, you could you know, more or less offer them that information uh, one click away on a silver platter, so to speak, and uh, it helped them get straight to whatever they might have been hunting for in the first place. So if you had like a thousand people on your website yesterday, and you're and you're going to be targeting ads to all 1,000 of those people. Like this, this sounds like a really obvious way to sharpen, to really sharpen that. For sure, yes, it's it's virtually guaranteed to improve your click-through rate. The chances of it being a higher quality audience in general, meaning that they're not only more engaged but more willing to take action, and presumably more willing to uh, purchase. 
uh, is very high. They're also going to be more likely to have, a, you know, a higher average order value or a higher lifetime value. Virtually guaranteed to improve click-through rates. I've just, I've just jotted that down for a future ad headline. So, so let's talk about some other cool things you can do there that you can't, at least can't easily do in Google Ads interface. So. Um, there's a few places in there, and, and by the way, on today's episode, I can't possibly go through all the choices that are available. There's, uh, I think there's well over a hundred. I haven't counted, but there's a lot of possibilities. But um, you, there's places in there where you can select almost any um, uh, metric or behavioral condition that Google Analytics offers. And so among those are things like um, people who clicked on certain ads and pages, of course, is a really basic one. Um, certain demographics is another one. Uh, also, for people who are familiar with display network targeting at all, you can actually build audiences of people who are in certain uh, known or predefined um, targeting interests. So, like, uh, for example, over in, in Google Ads, if you're setting up a display network campaign and you're choosing your targeting, you can choose from a set of predefined affinity categories or in-market categories. And those are actually available in the audience builder in Google Analytics. Mm. So in-market is like I'm in, in market for buying a motorbike or whatever. And affinity is I'm, I like motorbikes. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, and of course, this, this episode is not the place to dive in-depth into that. But loosely speaking... Somebody that's in market is somebody that Google believes is actually in a in a buying mood, um, quite likely to purchase. And affinity is more of a, a general, a little bit longer term interest, not necessarily ready to buy, according to Google. Mm -hmm. Yep. So another one that's really interesting is uh, the devices, and it's, it's actually labeled as technology under the audience builder, but it's things like devices. So. Um, Here's one. I just realized this uh, last week, and I haven't had time to try this out yet, but you could build an audience of people who came to your site and were on a mobile device when they visited. Now, it's it's a pretty common phenomenon, and anybody who plays around with analytics has almost certainly seen this. It's a pretty common phenomenon for people to sit around with their mobile phone, their smartphone, or their tablet and browse for fun like they, they may be scrolling through facebook they may be looking at other websites pinterest um you know reading the news whatever it may be and for some reason they thought of something or found a link and they clicked and they visited your site but a lot of people um simply will not make a purchase or sign up for a webinar or whatever while they're on their mobile device because it essentially it's just a little too inconvenient um you know maybe they're Maybe their mobile device browser didn't autofill their credit card information. Um, or maybe they like to save receipts and they can't do that from mobile. Maybe they like to add uh, registration to their calendar and they can't do that from the mobile. Um, yeah, they've just, they've just decided, uh, you know what, I'll do it later. But, exactly. then, they, but then they forget. And um, I mean, th those three examples I gave sound trivial, but you'd just be surprised how much a tiny little bit of inconvenience from dissuade someone from taking action on the spot. Mm. So the ideal thing then is, hey, if they're on my site, and especially if they've been on here for a, a reasonable length of time, 
but they were on mobile and they didn't buy, we know that they are much more likely to buy if we can get them to come back later when they're on a desktop. Now, um, both AdWords and Google Analytics independently support what's called cross-device tracking, which is simply uh, internally to their systems, they keep track of somebody who has visited on more than one device, so mobile phone first and desktop second, perhaps. And uh, you can then build an audience of people who visited on mobile and then later on run a retargeting campaign and only show it on the desktop, mm. but you're showing it to people who previously came on mobile. Nice. Uh, that, that is, um, I'm actually very tantalized by the possibility of, of how that would work. Yeah, and I think like most people are seeing, um, I don't know how it breaks down for Australia, but like I'm seeing generally a huge increase in mobile traffic. I mean, there's like for many clients, mobile traffic outweighs desktop traffic. Yep. Um, I guess you, you guess you have to think about where you classify tablets and not because they're kind of a hybrid, I guess. But you do. So oddly enough, in my experience with Google Ads, tablets perform worse than smartphones. Yeah, I'm mine. I'm mine, actually. Yeah, it's it's weird, but it's it's like people are on tablets, sitting on the sofa. Um, I I don't know. Like it's something to do with being on the sofa, I think, and watching TV, or I don't know. I, I agree. You'd think that with the bigger screen, that they would behave more like a desktop user, but for some reason, they simply do not. Mm. I was on the phone because it's a smaller screen. They just want to check out as soon as possible. Um, yeah. So along with the devices, uh, it, and most people would not use this, but you can even target specific devices like Android or iPhone. Um, that would be handy like if, if you as an advertiser were selling uh, an iPhone app or something that for some reason appealed specifically to iPhone users, you can build an audience based uh, just on that. Um, if you've got like a browser extension, you can target browsers. So uh, you can target the Chrome browser particularly and there's 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 other things as well uh, screen resolution and such there will be random insights in that so if someone's listening to this and you sell a technical product then building an audience of people who rely on a particular browser that only techies use might, might be worth a go um i mean i mean there might also be like random insights like it might be that people who use who use apple products either buy more or less often. I'm not going to predict what, what that would be, but you know, uh, there's, there's, there's always ways to like slice and dice this, isn't there? Absolutely. And, and that is a common one. So it used to be, I, I don't know this is still true, but uh, a few years ago, it was definitely the case that people who were on an Apple product were uh, definitely in a, in a different class of buyer. Mm. Um, yeah, so you can, you can definitely find little segments and insights in there. Um, well, now here's an example. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Apple just released their newest generation of iPhone yesterday. So the, the annual product release came out. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody over the next few weeks, few months, who suddenly appears on the very latest iPhone X, which is now, uh, I guess it's the iPhone 11 Pro now, uh, if they're on that, then clearly they've got a little money to spend and they are definitely interested in buying the latest uh, latest and greatest bright, shiny object, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
if you have a if you have something for sale that fits that kind of buyer, then you'd want to be looking for those people over the near future. I think the last iPhone I, I owned was an iPhone 4S. So um, if you're trying to sell the latest and greatest, um, I'm not going to buy. <laughs> um, not qualified, yeah. So now here's here's another one. So uh, one of the principles we've talked about quite a few times, mentioned it earlier, is RFM. So it's basically out of everybody in your audience, whether that's your, you know, all the people who visit your site or your customer list or whatever, um, no matter what you're looking at, there's going to be an 80-20 application where you can see uh, who has who has engaged or purchased from you the most recently. That's the R. Um, who engages or purchases from you most frequently. That's the F. And who has spent the most money. That's the M. RFM. So you can build RFM audiences this is this is this is pretty cool and this cannot be done over in the uh, Google Ads audience manager but in Google Analytics you can build based on things like the number of transactions so um, you can also build based on the number of transactions so for example at least one transaction and the fact that they are a returning visitor um, or the fact that they have uh, been returning frequently over time um, you can then also build based on like their actual transaction value. So that is how you, you can do some categories like, um, and, and this would obviously this would depend on your particular situation. But if you know as a business that your very best buyers are uh, buying every month, for example, you could go build a segment that is. So if that's true. There's going to be a few people in there who actually buy more than once per month. So you could you could set up an audience that is people who've bought more than three times, three transactions in the past 30 days, uh, or, or more than 12 times over the past year. And then you could cut that down in increments. You could do people who only bought uh, six times in the past year or one time in the past year. And you, based on RFM principles, you would know that it's worth spending uh, more of your ad budget on the people who purchase a lot than on the people who purchase only a little bit. Uh, you would spend even less on the people who've only purchased one time. Do you have to be using um, the Google Analytics e-commerce tracking? For that, yes, you do. Yep, if we're gonna do that bit specifically. But if you're selling online, then that's maybe worth doing anyway. I mean, most, most shopping carts will allow that. Um, and if it's a static order form, I guess you would just code it into the order form funky page? Or? Yeah, so if you have a classic um, cart style situation, so you know people are browsing your site and throwing multiple items into a cart and then checking out, uh, this would be like if you have Shopify, BigCommerce, uh, WooCommerce, anything like that, um, then that applies to you and, and all of those platforms support e-commerce tracking uh, kind of out of the box. If you develop your own order processing system, it's totally worth your time to get your developers to add add in the little bits of extra code that support that. And it's I have done this with development teams. It's really not that complicated. It's fairly fairly minimal amount of work that any developer can do. Um, that said, if you're if you're a consultant, if you're doing direct response, uh, single offer sale then you're probably using something like Thrivecart, Samcart, uh, maybe even just Stripe or PayPal, 
and those do not support e-commerce tracking. Um, it's up to you if you want to bother to create a workaround. Probably you won't need it because the, the, the multi-transaction effect that I was describing earlier may not really even apply to you. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, that's something you'll have to work out on your side as to the value. Yeah, um, I mean, there's this sort of a volume of transactions issue, isn't there? I mean, the more the higher the volume, the more important this is going to become. Yeah. Uh, that said, there is um, some sophisticated ways to... Uh, to work around that so you can you can pick certain pages and you could set up features and functions in google analytics where it is perceived as a transaction just because they visited the page mm -hmm. so it definitely can be done cool this has been really great i think um i think what is really clear is that it's perfectly fine you know, as we've talked in previous courses and episodes and so on, it's perfectly fine to get set up and get up and running in native Google ads. But I think what this gives you is like, it's almost like a level deeper of remarketing. Above all, it's a level deeper of optimization in your sales process. You're, you're learning to weed out the people who are statistically unlikely to buy, so you're not wasting your budget on them. And you're learning to identify those that are worth investing your ad budget into. Hmm. Is it is it worth um, like I think if you got reasonable website traffic, what's becoming quite obvious to me is that, especially if you sell online, like it might be worth either you know employing someone or contracting someone who really who really understands Google Analytics and the data and building these audiences and working with these audiences. Like surely at some point the payoff of hiring someone or employing someone, like the payoff of really mastering this is going to way exceed the cost of paying yeah, someone absolutely. to do that. For sure. And it, uh, it scales up as all things do. So as we talk about, if you're, if you're doing even the basics, uh, so let's say you're just getting started and you're simply uh, split testing a couple ads to see which one gets a better click-through rate, which anybody who's running ads should be doing that. Uh, if you find an ad that is performing 3% better than the other ad, uh, for sure you would pause the first and stick with the one that is 3% better. Now, if your total sales is $100 a month, that will seem to be almost meaningless. On the other hand, a company that is uh, you know, spending thousands per day on their ads, you know, a $10 million company, for example, Hmm. Uh, that same three percent is going to make a huge difference to the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. And in that situation, it's it's not about like ten xing your business. It's about like one percenting your business. And actually, that one percent is still pretty huge. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Um, anything else you want to add, or should we uh, should we wrap this one? Yeah. Let, let me circle back around and say just a couple more things about uh, the Google Ads audience manager. So there is a couple of things that um, you should definitely do over in, the, in that one, uh, right there in Google Ads. And one of those is if you have a, a customer list and you're going to upload those, that really can't be done effectively in analytics at all. That's got to be done over there right in Google Ads. And the other is uh, YouTube Ads. So it generally speaking, it's way easier to set up your YouTube audiences 
right there in uh, in Google Ads. There's a there's a separate section for the setup for that, and there's some really nifty and and easy to use things right there. So um, examples would be like uh, people who watch any video in your channel, um, people who subscribe to your channel, people who watch a specific video in your channel, and you want to show them kind of like uh, let, let's say you have a series part one, part two, part three. You would build an audience based on just the people who saw the first video and then retarget them with the second video. So that those are definitely easier to do um, right there in Google Ads instead of Google Analytics. So this this isn't an either or situation. Like it's not like you would use Google Analytics instead of Google Ads. There are situations where you would still create retargeting audiences in Google Ads. For sure. If you've enjoyed this episode, then I have a date for your diary. In December 2019, Jonathan and I are running an online course on remarketing with Google Analytics. To join the course notification list and receive early bird notifications and the best possible deal, go to www.mazemarketingpodcast.com forward slash analytics. Once again, that's www.mazemarketingpodcast.com forward slash analytics.